This is the Off the Charts Business Podcast for multi-passionate entrepreneurs. Here, you'll learn how to design a scalable business so you can spend more time outside, away from the screen, through actionable ideas, real-world examples, and pep talks from your host, that's me, Natalie Lucier, founder of Access Ally. This is the Off the Charts Business Podcast for multi-passionate entrepreneurs. Here, you'll learn how to design a scalable business so you can spend more time outside, away from the screen, through actionable ideas, real-world examples, and pep talks from your host, that's me, Natalie Lucier, founder of Access Ally. Welcome to this episode of Off the Charts. I am your host, Natalie Lucier, and I am so excited to have with us today, Matt Inglot, and he is the founder of Tilted Pixel, an agency dedicated to helping six and seven figure membership site owners grow their business. And he has over 16 years of experience in working in digital products and membership sites. And he is gonna be sharing with us some very practical, actionable things today. So thanks for being here with us, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. I'd love to hear what your definition or your perspective of what an off the charts business or life looks like. And I know that's probably changed a little bit over the years. Yeah, it's it's probably the question of my life, right? And I suspect yours as well. And in the intro to your podcast, you use the idea of a multi-passionate entrepreneur. And I can really resonate with that. And it's such a cool thing to be right? Because you have all these interests, all these passions, all the things that you want to do. Uh, but it's also challenging in that same way, because precisely there are so many things that you want to do and you, could don't, and you don't get to do them all. And it's hard to kind of build that balance. So that's always been what I've been aiming to do with my business is to create a business that simultaneously allows me to pursue the things that I'm passionate and interested in. So I love business. I love technology. I absolutely love helping our clients and I love the impact that we have on the world, but I'm also not one of those entrepreneurs that wants to do their business night and day and nothing else. So that's sort of created that challenge of trying to create that business that also creates a lifestyle and what that lifestyle and what that business look like have of course changed over the years as there have been different seasons of life, which I'm sure we can get into. But for me, I think that's the meaning of off the charts business is one that you feel that financial abundance and just general abundance in your life, but you also feel that time abundance, that abundance to pursue these different passions. Yeah, I love that. Obviously, I can relate to that with our farm and doing things off screen or off the computer and being able to have that flexibility and what I like to call that spaciousness in our lives so that we're not always super crunched and busy with work, but we can also take some time off or spend time with family and things like that. I love what you shared of what your definition of an off the charts business is. And it's also really interesting because you mentioned when you were starting out the whole concept of business was kind of the four hour work week and travel and location independence. And I definitely was there too. When I started my business, I think maybe we're in a similar time frame. that book came out and everybody read it. And then we were all like, oh, this is the thing to do. And now, you know, we're super rooted. We have a farm. We're really not traveling that much. So yeah. How did that change and evolve as you, you kind of matured or your business grew? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's funny because I think the first time I heard about for our work week was when Tim was running his ad, Google ads, right? And I saw an ad for it. I signed up on a list or something and eventually ended up buying the book. Like I think they had a free chapter. 
And like when I read that free chapter sitting back in university, it like something just clicked in my head. I was like, wait a minute, like he's putting down something completely different than the traditional business book advice. But I think he wrote it from like very much his own perspective, which is fair. And like the way he had used the four hour work week was to basically travel at that point in his life. And, you know, he clearly has evolved as well. So that's sort of what I latched onto. And like, honestly, in your 20s, that's a lot of fun. So much fun. And I don't think I ever did it nearly to the extremes as the people that went full digital nomad. That was never me. But I got to spend like two months like in Poland and Ukraine, you know, quite a few years ago. And that was a life-changing experience because the whole time I was there, the only work on my business that I did was uh, basically checking email once every two weeks. It was every two weeks because that's when payroll was. So I would check my email, I would do payroll, and that would be literally everything that I did. That's it. This is not like internet marketer exaggeration. That was the extent of my involvement for two months. And that was like this like huge success moment after a lot of failure, after a lot of struggle, getting myself into crazy debt, trying to start an office and everything. That was sort of like, oh, wow, I made it. But then what happens next, right? And eventually I kind of, you know, I, I enjoyed that lifestyle for a while, but then I sort of also found I enjoyed build, building a business and I jo enjoyed the challenge of scaling it. And then I found sort of a new tension between sort of that muse business that Tim describes, right? Where it's sort of, you're minimizing the time you spend on it. But I find when you do that, you also minimize the growth. So like I could have kept that lifestyle going forever, but as a multi-passionate entrepreneur and someone that just doesn't like routine, I found that to eventually just become a bit boring and a bit grindy. So now I'm sort of in in a stage where I'm working on scaling, growing, evolving my business and really enjoying that, but still making sure that like, well, I have a lot of hobbies and interests as well. So I don't do the 80 hour thing, but I'm not actively trying to like follow the definition of a four hour work week business. Yeah, that's, that's a great contrast, right? Between, between when you started off, what the goal was versus today, where it's more about scaling and growing and kind of reinvesting your energy and your expertise into your business. And speaking of expertise, you have a ton when it comes to growing membership sites. And I think that everyone hears about membership sites and recurring revenue as this sort of holy grail of online business and almost, you know, kind of refers back to like, I barely have any work to do. I just have these members and they pay me every month. So what have you found is kind of the reality of membership sites and kind of what is working to get people to that stable membership site where they do have members that stay, they do have members that join all the time. Yeah. I'd love to hear your take on that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm coming at it from such a different perspective, I think, for most people, because I actually fell into the niche of serving other membership site owners. It's just how my agency evolved. And that's how my first few clients were. Those were the ones that were like really profitable and stayed with us for a long time. And we were able to help them build amazing businesses. So I kind of cut my teeth on working on a lot of different membership sites versus just one. And I was able to kind of see the patterns of what works, what doesn't, and so on. And definitely like the first thing that quickly clued in for me was that the ones that were really successful were ones that found a problem that people 
needed to solve, but it's a problem that's not a one-off problem. That's really important because if it's a one-off problem, like it's really a course, right? And as much as like we'd all want people to pay us $29.95 a month forever for our library of videos, that's not actually what the consumer is going to do. They're going to watch your videos and they're going to consume the content. They're going to hopefully learn and get good value from it. But afterwards, they see no reason to pay. So problems that are just fundamentally ongoing, where you can provide ongoing relief for that problem is the thing that's suited for a membership. So if you can go and find an audience and survey people and understand their problems and then identify which ones are recurring, that's the making. That's that's the foundation of something that really has the potential to become a really effective membership site. Can you give a couple examples? Like I have examples that come to mind of what's kind of a long-term kind of pro not problem necessarily, but sometimes it is like an improvement that they want to keep making that a membership site can help people with. Oh yeah. A really good niche for it is investments because the stock markets are changing literally daily. So anything in that niche, anything where you're helping people research investments, understand the markets, understand whatever's happening in the world doesn't even have to be investment related but if the information's changing it doesn't matter if you were a member three months ago the information you have is out of date so you need that continuous access so that's really powerful another thing that's really powerful is something like an example i like to use is somebody wanting to eat healthier there's a way to do that as a course and there's a way to do that as a membership and there's an important distinction. So a course would be you go and you sell somebody a, a bunch of videos that teach them how to cook healthy, right? And that could be specific recipes. It could be general principles, whatever it is. But it's basically educational content that they consume. But you could easily flip that around to a membership. If you instead take a slightly different spin on it, you can still teach them how to cook healthy. You still give them recipes. But now it's like a meal plan that you get from week to week where, you know, you don't have to think what ingredients you have to buy or any of that stuff. Basically, like the food boxes without the food box, you just give them what they need. And that way you're removing several hours of meal prepping and thinking about meals uh, every single week, which is hugely valuable, by the way. And it's an ongoing problem because you're going to need to eat every single week. Right. So that's a completely different spin on it. Another example would be assets for social media, like stock photos, videos, and so on. Social media never ends. I mean, I'm sure you know that, right? Like it, it's an ongoing treadmill. So stock photos, stock videos for that turn out to be a really good idea because it's solving an ongoing problem. And that's an important distinction. I mentioned social media because if you go and you sell stock photos for websites, well, a website only gets rebuilt once every few years, and that's if you're lucky. So that's not really an ongoing need, but you just like flip that a little bit on who you're targeting, and suddenly you have a niche with a hugely important problem that's recurring. Awesome. I love those so much. And other ones that come to mind are like language learning or music learning, like basically things that you can always continue to get better at and that you might never reach mastery, if you will, <laughs> in certain ways. So those are really great examples. Oh, I love those. I'm, I'm trying to learn French right now because I'm going to Paris in a couple months. So I, I'm on duo all the time trying to like get a little bit fluent at least. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Yes. That's like a lifelong thing. You might have a deadline for your trip, but you're probably going to want to keep it up after. What's one thing that people are just not doing for their membership sites that if they started doing, they could really see massive results in terms of retention and growth over time? Surveying people. That's something that we personally do a lot. Like we're always helping clients get data from their audience because that's the best place. If you're just sitting there kind of blue sky thinking what they might like, you could be completely off. But if we kind of shift or shift gears to like, what are the stages of growth and how do you become successful at that? The first stage is really just proving that you have that membership concept nailed down. So when a lot of people start a membership, they'll usually have some sort of audience. That's very typical. They have some sort of email list or something. That's not true universally, but it happens a lot. And so in that first stage, what you're doing is you're trying to get that problem from your audience. That's the whole survey piece. And then you're just trying to make an offer to them, right? And it's just seeing if they subscribe. And what I recommend at that point is focus on whatever audience you have, whether that's an email list, Facebook group, whatever little community you've built, or even other people's communities that you have some sort of relationship with, there are ways of kickstarting a membership with no audience. But just focus on a small group of people, focus on making an irresistible offer. And what you're trying to do at this stage is just nail down two signs of success, that people are signing up and that people are staying. A lot of people get trapped here because they make a couple mistakes. They start thinking too much about pricing. The internet's always like telling you, charge more, charge more, charge more. That's like the lifestyle business mantra. That doesn't apply at the beginning. <laughs> charge less. Please charge less because I want you to have success. I want you to get those members. I want you to get those success stories. I want you to get those testimonials. You can charge more later, right? These are your founding members. And then don't worry about having membership tiers, even though we advocate for them. I wouldn't touch membership tiers until you got like 100K in revenue. And there's reasons for that. But don't, don't worry about membership tiers. Don't worry about underpricing yourself. Worry about over-delivering on that problem solving. And that includes hand-holding students, helping them through difficult things, whatever they might be struggling with. Don't focus on how do I make a hands-off membership. Be very hands-on. So that's sort of the first stage of growth. You're sort of just like, it's the little kindling, right? That you're just trying to get started. And just like a campfire, like that's where you put in all your like effort, right? Is just to get that fire going. Then the next stage of your membership site is probably from like the 10K to 100K a year, where all you're trying to do is you're trying to get it up to this like point where you feel like you really have a business that actually can spend some money, reinvest money back. It's your full-time gig and so on. So in that stage of a business, you're really focusing on how can you promote yourself in ways that are cost-effective and are going to grow the right audience. And at the same time, you're refining your offer. And during this stage, again, it's it's very much building that campfire. Now you're putting some twigs in. It's still very hands-on. And like you got to get really creative and figuring out how to promote yourself to the right audiences and how to continuously refine your offer. A really great membership is going to change a lot during this stage because whatever you did at the beginning, it's not magically going to be a bullseye. So you got to be con continuously refining it. And as you're refining it, two things should be happening. Your conversion rate should be going up, meaning if you make an offer to people, more and more people sign up. And your churn rate should be going down, meaning people stay around longer and spend more money with you and 
generally make use of a membership longer. And if you're on that right track, then just because of how math works, you're going to get to 100K a year. And that sort of now sort of becomes the early scaling phase where you can start, like you feel you actually have a product here, right? You, you have a proven offer and now you can start really thinking about what are my long-term channels that I want to invest in to really be able to have a continuous flow of members? How do I do things like build amazing email sequences that cause people to convert? Do I even want to start looking at things like paid ads? Now there's a whole, that's a whole can of worms. Sometimes they work great. Sometimes they can be challenging, but this is where you can start putting on more of a business owner hat. That's where you can start looking at membership tiers and you're really taking this concept that you've created and now you're trying to expand it. So that's sort of like a very high level overview, but it's important to know what your stage you're at, because as I've kind of tried to explain along the way, there's different things that are priorities for you. And there's different areas where you can basically put your focus, including like pricing. Pricing, you're hopefully evolving during that second stage. And then you can really start optimizing it in that third stage versus, again, people get trapped on the wrong things at the wrong stage. Now we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Did you know Access Ally is the most flexible way to sell and elegantly deliver digital offerings as your business grows? All in one place on WordPress. You can create online courses, memberships, directories, and communities, and even sell team access all on your terms. Go to accessally.com to get a demo and see why it's the business scaling solution you've been looking for. Welcome back. So you mentioned the word, your offer quite a few times. And I think sometimes people know, yes, okay, that's like, you know, the price and what they get. Um, but when you're saying tweak your offer or change your offer, you could also be talking about your positioning for it, your sales page, your messaging, and maybe also what's included, right? So maybe you change how you deliver content or whether there's live calls or no live calls or you know, whether there's a community added. So can you talk a little bit more about what kind of tweaks to people's offers they might be making. And maybe it is price, but also other elements too. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because when I think about it, it is actually mostly all those other elements. Pricing pricing comes later and, and we're good at pricing, but we also know when to not worry about pricing. And like a lot of it really is changing what's in that membership and trying to get it closer to closer to the thing that's actually helping your members. And sometimes that can mean less instead of more. That's another huge trap for membership site owners. I can't count the number of times I see a membership site owner struggling with churn and their reflexive instinct is to do more, right? More videos, more content, more office hours. But then you actually go and you look at their business and you look at the stats. Well, how many members are watching, you know, videos 50 through 81? How many videos, how many people are appearing on office hours? Well, it's the same five people every single week. So there's sort of a mismatch between what you're trying to do to retain members versus what your members want. And the way you solve that is, unfortunately, again, it's, it's putting the brakes on producing content and taking the time to speak to your members, survey them, but also do customer interviews and start digging into what is it that they're actually struggling with. And what we find over time is that people's answers to these questions can change before and after the membership. And oftentimes, 
it's not so much that they want more content. They actually get overwhelmed with more content, right? Like, for example, I'm trying to learn French. I don't need 50 books on learning French. I had mentioned Duo because what Duo does is it actually gives me less in a way. It gives me lessons that are two minutes long in French. And I can do a two-minute lesson while I'm making a cup of coffee. And that speaks directly to a problem that a lot of people have with this stuff is time. They don't have time to implement. So now when you turn around and just give them more content, you're actually putting more pressure on that time piece that they're actually struggling with. And if you just take time to talk to your audience, you would know they're struggling with putting this content into play. They feel they don't have enough time. So maybe like this is sort of a challenge for you as the membership site owner, but what what can you do about the way you present things, about the curriculum you create, the structure you create where you can actually allevi- alleviate the time issue both the perceived time issue, right? Like we all tell ourselves we don't have enough time, yet we all have time for Netflix, but also the real issue, right? Which is like, how do you tactically do these things and the time allotted so you don't have to spend four hours doing it? I mean, I've surveyed audiences of primarily retired people, people that in theory have that now time in their lives to pursue something. And on those surveys, we still hear lack of time's a problem. So you can see how it becomes like very challenging that it's not the literal time, it's how they approach it. So that's how deep you go with it. And I bring up time because that's just such a common one we see. But basically, yeah, keep refining that membership to figure out what it is that's actually going to solve that problem for your members. And again, it's rarely more, right? Don't, don't keep adding office hours to the schedule. Don't keep adding videos. There is something else going on. I guarantee it. I love that. And I love that you brought up the idea of actually talking to people before they join the membership. And then once they've been in the membership, because their needs or understanding of what they need might change. And when you do these surveys, you might be doing them, you know, like digitally, but then it sounds like maybe you also get on the, on the phone and call people or Zooms or whatever you're using. What kinds of questions do you usually ask to get people to open up and share some of these like nuggets that you're talking about? So the, things you ask on the call are really focused first of all about who they are right that's how you always kick off this conversation just get a little bit of backstory on them it helps create rapport but the other thing it gives you is just like some idea of okay well literally who are these people that i'm talking to what perspective are they coming from sometimes you'll get like really big nuggets about what they're struggling with even before you ask them but then that's the big thing like you ask questions like what are you struggling with? What caused you to want to join? What got you interested in this? Let's say you're trying to learn the piano, right? Like what got you interested in my material on the piano, right? Why why don't you already know how to learn, how to play the piano? Well, don't ask them that, but like, like ask them in a nice way. But like, what's the struggle that's making you feel you need to pay somebody money to learn the piano? But basically, you want to make it all about them and their challenges. And the nice thing about getting someone on a call that's so different than a survey is that it's not a literal list of questions. Like we have questions we ask, but it's always more of a conversation. So they'll tell you something and your challenge is to dig four layers deeper, right? It's what kids do normally, right? Just by instinct, they always ask why, right? You're kind of doing the same thing. You're just digging deeper and deeper until you find out the real truths. And the real truths, for example, like any technical hobby, like let's say piano, some people think about it in a very technical way. So they'll ha- they'll say, you know, I have trouble with this particular 
you know, arrangement or something. And, you know, here's my challenge. And you'll be like, okay, well, that's great. But what is it that's making it actually difficult to learn this, right? And if you ask that enough, then you'll find, well, actually, I don't get it when people say this or that about sheet music, or it'll come back to the time thing, or it'll just come back to like much deeper issues that they have. Uh, with learning the piano. And that's what you really want to latch on to because those are the problems your membership is challenged to solve in order to keep your members. But it's also the material that you're going to need for your sales page, right? For your email sequence, for everything. And that's why, like for me, it's been a surprise success service. We used to do surveys kind of out of necessity because we needed them for our work. Now, some people hire us just for the audience research work because we're able to pull things out of their audience that, you know, they've run their business for five plus years and they never knew just because we're taking the time to ask the right questions. And that's why I've just become obsessed with this. It's like your business could change overnight if you just ask your audience the right things. Now we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Did you know Access Ally is the most flexible way to sell and elegantly deliver digital offerings as your business grows all in one place on WordPress. You can create online courses, memberships, directories, and communities, and even sell team access all on your terms. Go to accessally.com to get a demo and see why it's the business scaling solution you've been looking for. Totally love that. And I totally agree. I think it's an underutilized thing that as business owners, we have so much potential to use to really make improvements. So another thing that you shared with me before the call is that you have a trick essentially to help people grow their current membership and how they can actually increase their membership revenue by removing an option. And can you talk to us about that and the data behind that? Yeah. So this is like one thing that completely surprised me. So one of the things that we do is we help membership site owners figure out how to grow their business. So as part of that, we do a lot of number crunching. Like we'll take all of your sales data, all your membership data, and we'll figure out all the metrics around it. We'll segment it in all the different ways, including for you know where this insight came out is we look at customer lifetime value. So what's a customer worth to you over their lifetime, but we segment it across your tiers and plans. And when we started doing that for clients over and over again, we found something interesting. We found that very consistently, the monthly plan was worth maybe half, maybe even less than half of the annual plan. So a monthly subscriber, let's say might be worth $50, an annual subscriber might be worth over 100 might even be 150. Sometimes the gap was just amazingly large. So we sort of started digging into that and we kind of realized a couple things. Well, one, well, if you remove the monthly plan, that's an experiment worth trying because someone on an annual plan is worth a lot more. So we had clients start trying that. And like, sure enough, most of the time it worked. And in fact, I don't have a single case where I can actually prove that it didn't work. I've had people go back on it, but I've never been able to prove with the numbers that it wasn't a good idea, right? Because what ends up happening is you might see a drop in conversions, you might not. But even if you see a drop in conversions, 
are you really going to see a 50% drop in conversions? You're not, right? Which means that it's going to be a net positive for you to double the lifetime of each customer, even if you end up with a few customers less. And in practice, that's what we discovered. The drop in conversions is usually not a lot. There are exceptions. Like if you have a very expensive membership, like if it's going to be like a couple thousand dollars a year or something like that, yeah, do monthly or try quarterly plans, something like that. Or if your sales funnel is built on impulse buys where people hear about you on Facebook and then they've given you their credit card in the next five minutes, they're probably not going to be willing to commit a couple hundred dollars a year right away to you. So there is nuance to this, but the very typical funnel that most membership site owners have include nurturing that customer, right? Like you've just sent them a ton of stuff over email for some period of time or They've been watching you on YouTube forever. Like they know you, they like you. When you make that offer to join their membership or your membership, they're going to buy, right? They're excited for it. And the difference in conversion for a customer that's already pretty warm between a $20 purchase and like a $200 purchase is less than you would think as long as they see value. But all of us so far is about you. the pushback that you could have on that, well, aren't we just like forcing people to just pay us more, you know, what what's in it for them, right? And the other counterintuitive thing that I found is that I think it's actually helping the members because it's creating a bigger commitment. And one of the things that we see people struggle with when they join a membership is their commitment level. And unfortunately, for better or worse, the more you pay, the more likely you are to actually act, right? So if you go and you invest more into the membership, you're more likely to actually log in. You're more likely to participate. You're more likely to do the lessons. You are more likely to have success. Whereas let's say, you know, you try something for a dollar or something, you you have a very low threshold for wanting to actually do anything. So counterintuitively, it's actually beneficial for the members. It's definitely beneficial for your bottom line. And if you're not doing this, like, please, please try it. And then, hey, email me. Let me know how it goes because I'd love to know. But for us, it's been incredibly successful and something that I didn't expect because virtually everybody has a monthly plan in this business. Thank you for sharing the data behind it and the experiments that your clients have done on that. We've found something very similar at Access Ally. So, you know, people always ask us, do you have a free trial? Can I have a trial? And what we found, we've tested doing a trial or doing a trial month. And what we found is that people who wanted a trial were not very serious and just wanted to play around with it. And a lot of times they had zero commitment versus the people who buy an annual plan they already decided, like, I'm using Access Ally. I'm excited about it. I'm going to learn how it works. I'm going to make it work for my business. And I'm going to do awesome things with it versus people who are like, oh, I'm just here to like maybe dip my toe in the pool. The other people are jumping all the way in, ready with their swimsuit and everything, <laughs> ready to really enjoy the full experience. So thank you for sharing that and also the data, because I think people might be a little bit scared about removing an option on, on their offer. But I think long term, I agree. I think it's a way better move for for most businesses yeah give it a try and give it a serious try right don't panic after like a day or two usually when you make any change your conversions drop the first couple days like that's another just weird marketing thing but like time and time again we've measured we've measured so extensively and you know to the point like with access ally or any software for example if you take that trial 
the first thing you got to do after you sign up, you get that dopamine high that, hey, I've signed up for my trials. Now you got to learn the thing, right? And now there's work to do. And it's the same thing with like a course membership or anything like that. And going back to commitment, if there's very little commitment, you might not be able to get over that threshold of actually learning and using the tool, even if it's an amazing tool uh, and figuring out how it can fit your business. Yes. All right, Matt, we have gone over so much. Thank you for sharing it. Where can people find out more about you? And then after that, do you have any kind of parting words of wisdom or something that membership site owners should really be considering? Yeah, so you can find me at TiltedPixel.com. And as a listener to the podcast, you can check out TiltedPixel.com slash course. And there you can find lots more tips on how to grow your membership. And all of them are based on this like very analytical approach of ours. Like we're always looking at the numbers and we're always trying to make decisions based on data. And for like my little bit of wisdom for whatever it's worth is I would, I would really advocate those two things. Look at your audience, speak to them, find out what they're struggling with and really take the time to understand them. Forget the four-hour work week when you're starting. Get on those Zoom calls. Spend time with people. Learn about them. Learn who you're targeting. It's going to pay off so much. And then the second thing that's kind of related is look at the data. Look at the data for everything. Is churn going up? Is churn going down? Are conversions going up? Are conversions going down? That's really how you can make good decisions about whether the changes that you're making to your membership are having a positive effect, having a negative effect. We would have never figured out this monthly plan thing if all we did was just copy paste what everybody else was doing. It's the fact that we looked at the data that we're able to figure that out. And that's literally been worth millions of dollars to people. That is brilliant. And one question about that. Do you feel like when people make changes to their membership site, it reflects immediately? Or would you say like, give it a few months to see the effects of making changes? Sometimes it's hard for people to tell, like changing the format of something, is it going to affect churn right away? Does it take like three months, six months? How can, how soon do you see those types of results? Yeah, that's actually really important. So some of it's based on the size of your business, right? Because the bigger your business, the more data, the more statistically significant you get faster. But the other way to think about it, other than just statistical significance, is to just keep your ear to the ground and see what's going on in your membership. So for example, when people are churning, you should be finding out why, right? They should be hit with a survey right away. Well, first, first an offer to stay. And then if they don't stay, then ask them just like as like a free form field, why why is this not working? Why are you canceling? And genuinely read those responses. And as you're making changes, you can see what's changing. And same thing with surveying your audience. You, if it's like a new feature you released, get their feedback on it. Look at the usage data in your LMS, right? Like and see if people are actually using that feature. That's oftentimes, again, the issue of office hours is they're great on paper. And I know memberships where they're amazing, but I also know a lot of people that try office hours. They have the same people visit over and over. Again, same five people, but they never change anything about that. They never figure out, well, why aren't people attending office hours? Is that actually the path to solving my audience's problem? They just keep running with it, right? So 
just keep an ear to the ground and that can give you a preview of what's happening faster than the raw statistical data, especially on a, on a smaller site. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that so much. Just, yeah, being really connected to your members and what's happening, I think it is brilliant. And then being willing to make changes and improve and change and kind of experiment, I think is is really great advice. Well, Matt, thank you so very much for sharing so much wisdom, both from your own experience as a business owner and what an off the charts business means to you. And then also what you see with all your client businesses. I am so glad that we had this conversation. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. To get the show notes and links from today's episode, head over to natalielussier.com and click the podcast link. You can also subscribe to receive email notifications when new podcasts are released. Thanks for listening and until next time. Want to keep growing your business on your terms? Then sign up for my free newsletter, The Momentum Memo. You'll get quick, actionable tips to gain momentum in your business every Tuesday. Head over to natalielussier.com forward slash memo to join over 6,000 other entrepreneurs scaling on their terms. Whether you're just getting started or have been running your business for a while, the Momentum Memo has something for you. 